When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Bill Kirkbride, and today I'm joined by Dave Prentice, Adam Jones and Gav Buckland, as you fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park. But of course, this is the post-Burnley podcast. Last night, of course, 3-1. Did not look like it was going to be that way at one point. Burnley, of course, going 1-0 up. And a uninspiring performance was turning into a worrying one. But then six quite remarkable minutes turned the game on its head. We were all there to witness, savour, enjoy what was quite a, a remarkable game and evening in the end. And, and before we get into the sort of minutiae and, 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 and the details of the game, I'm just going to ask each each of you individually and to take turns. Just just pick me one moment from, from last night that, that was your favourite preno. What, what what was the one moment that you've you've sort of thought about most since uh, full time? It's, it's it's an obvious one, really. But Abdullah Takore's pass—it was just absolutely sublime. I mean, uh, it, it was so great that I got home last night. You know, so obviously you, you're buzzing after a win like that. So I immediately started scrolling through the uh, the television coverage of it again and uh, picking up the goals and picking up the post match coverage. And I think it was Jamie Carragher who described it as the pass of the season. I know we're only at a month of the season so far, but it was. It was just the weight, the timing, and you know, it was, it was just absolutely wonderful. And Decore, who you know, has been a revelation under Rafa Benitez already, a good signing anyway, but seems to be playing a very, very different role. Just underlined again what he's got in his armory. You know, so we know he can tackle, we know he can cover ground, you know, we know he can break things up, he, he can score goals now we've witnessed, and he can also create. So, amongst stiff competition, the pass from Decore. Yeah, indeed. Me and Gav at halftime were talking about him needing to get further forward, but we'll come on to that. Um, Ad, go on. Something different. Ad, Preno's taken the pass, the pass. Um, what, what was a standout moment for you? One that you've looked back on loads or thought about uh, from last night? I'm going to take the goal then. Uh, <laughs> Andros Townsend, second goal. Uh, I, think I've, I think I've genuinely watched that about 20, 30 times uh, <laughs> since because... You know, I, I think I said to you just after the game, I was sat in sat in the press box watching him line up that shot from about thirty yards, and I was thinking in my head, "Ah, oh, don't shoot from there," because you know, it, it for some reason never ever goal too often. And uh, Andros, I know Andros Townsend's got in his locker. Obviously, we've seen him score loads of screamers in the past for like Crystal Palace and uh, for Tottenham and you know, QPR, all the all the clubs that he's played for. He seems to banging a screamer but for some reason when he was lining that up I was just going nah don't 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 do that from there and then he just, he just pulls out potentially one of one of if not the best goal I've ever seen Everton score at Goodison like I really don't think I've seen wow. a goal a goal of that quality for you know for a, for a long distance strike I don't think I've seen a, a, a long distance strike of that quality scored by Everton at Goodison before he was an absolute screamer right into the top corner Goalkeeper, no chance. And you know, to be honest, after that goal, Burnley 
really did have no chance of ever getting back into that game, did they? So yeah, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take that goal. Well, can I can I just jump in very quickly there? Because uh, I guess who I walked down Goodison Road with after the game last night, having witnessed a goal like that from his left foot. Barry Kevin Sheedy. <laughs> Kevin Sheedy. <laughs> I said, I said to him, I said, Kev, God, that, that's got to be up there with one of yours, that. And Kevin gave it the seal of approval. He goes, mine would have been absolutely top bin, he said. That wasn't quite <laughs> top bin. Mine would have been top bin, he says. But yeah, still a great strike. So yeah, yeah she, it got the Kevin Sheedy seal of approval. Yeah, she, she's was buzzing because he tweeted about it, didn't he? Afterwards. <laughs> um, Gav, your standout moment? Uh, well, after an hour, it was uh, Adam Sprinkler watch before the game was my uh, standout <laughs> moment, to, me, uh, to be honest with you. Um, but I, I, I tell you what, because I've, I've given him stick for a large part of his Everton career, I'm going to say Andre Gomez's performance when he came on. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Good, wasn't not, he? Not, and not, it, not, just, to, just to interject, sorry, Gav, I thought he was good when he, when he came on... Um, Huddersfield, that's right, Adi came on Huddersfield and I think he came on yeah. against Brighton as well. I think Brighton, he was pretty yeah, positive. Yeah. Sorry, Gav, yeah. Absolutely. Because um, I've given him loads of stick, even before the injury, uh, didn't feel he was looked a Premier League player. Um, obviously, he's not starting games, he's coming on when it's slightly different, but he, uh, I thought again last night, he was uh, very, very good. There's one great pass out to the wide right, that's what I was about four yeah. players. Um, when he came on, nice little chip pass to Dean. He should have scored. Perhaps he needs to uh, go to on uh, to Townsend about um, shooting, <laughs> shooting, uh, you know, from distance. Put one in the park end. But I want to say um, it's not a moment, but Andre Gomez's performance as as substitute pleased me immensely. For somebody who criticised quite a lot in the past. Prenna, let's just pick up on that because it's interesting. And, and Gomez wasn't necessarily on the on on the sort of always going to be on the agenda. But as Gav's brought him up, Gomez is such a frustrating player because, as Gav rightly says, he is capable of of purring on a football pitch, isn't he? And, yeah. and producing moments and performances and cameos like he has done. And he has started the season well when he's come on, yeah. but he just can't find consistency. Is that ultimately though why? He left Barcelona, and with all the respect in the world to to, to, to us, he's here at Everton, in a in a, t- in a team that finishes mid-table, fringes of European qualification, rather than it, one of the big boys. I, I think we need to cut him a little bit of slack um, because of what happened, you know, with the uh, the ankle injury uh, against Tottenham. Prior to that, he'd been one of our standout performers, and he had been performing consistently. And he was the kind of player that, you know, if he'd been taken out of the team, you feared, you know, because uh, he, he wasn't around. And then, obviously, he had struggled significantly to re- recapture anything like that form and consistency. So, I'd like to think it's just a, a legacy of the injury that he sustained and that maybe he's finally, you know, sort of over that now. And he's starting to settle down and he's starting to, uh, you know, show what he was showing previously. Because it was an important substitution. I mean, uh, I wasn't quite sure about the rationale for playing three at the back. I know Rafa said afterwards he wanted to try and, you know, sort of nullify their threat and control the game a little bit. We may have nullified their threat to a degree, but we certainly weren't controlling the game. And um, when we brought on the extra midfielder, 
whether that's just coincidence or not, I don't know, but th that purple patch seemed to coincide with that. And we did actually have a lot more measure of control and started playing the ball through the lines a lot better. So, you know, it was a good switch. And, you know, you could argue that, you know, so Gomez's introduction helped uh, bring that about. But I'd like to hope that, you know, yeah, we can see that more consistently now, now that he is completely over that problem. And he's, you know, hopefully, you know, going to be the Andre Gomez that we saw, you know, pre-ankle injury. Mm. Interesting you mentioned that switch. And I won't name the person who I had a conversation with this morning, but a very seasoned football man with links to the football club previously, who described Rafa's sub as one of the best managerial decisions he's probably ever seen at Goodison. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. He just, I won't swear, but he said it's a manager that showed he's got balls, yeah. basically. To do it. <laughs> but there you go. That's, in, that's one take on it. Somebody was absolutely buzzing with that. Um, I thought I would read this this out because I thought it's some a, a reply to one of my tweets last night and I read it this morning and I thought it's some it's summed up yeah no it's 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 family friendly and it's not abuse <laughs> so it makes a change um, after after the th it went three one and then it almost became four one and then Townsend almost scored. A <laughs> uh, uh, um, uh, Twitter user called Tom Francis, obviously tongue in cheek, but I thought it made me laugh this morning. And I thought this, you know, Evertonians do two things particularly well: gallows humour and self-deprecation, and you know, taking the mick out of themselves. And he wrote, "There's a good chance we are the best team in the world." And I just thought, <laughs> and I just thought that didn't, doesn't that just sum up the mood of the evening? Because it went, it went from uninspiring and concerning to. Absolutely electric, Adam. And I mean, I think I said to you, and I think I said to Gav, I'm not sure I can remember the last time the atmosphere was was quite as good as we felt in that six, eight, ten minute period. Yeah, I think you know when. <laughs> I think I remember saying to you when we left the stadium yesterday, when to, to Marty Gray scored that third goal. I think it was it came like what was it two minutes after Townsend's goal, something like that. I think when Gray scored that third, I was like genuinely scared for my safety. I genuinely thought the top balcony was going to come down because it was just like I've, I've not heard a noise like that in Goodison for ages. And I know like you, you can say, oh, we've had so long without fans inside stadiums. It may be, it may be uh, biases your judgment a little bit. I don't think that's the case at all. Like genuinely, the, the noise inside the stadium, as you say, in those you know few minutes, you know, who, who knows what it would have been like if the Corre. It, you know, it just kept himself on side rather than just straying off and either either got that fourth because you know the, the the noise would have just been ridiculous if Townsend's shot had found the back of the net if Gomez had found the back of the net a couple of minutes later it, it was just absolutely everything had just been caught up in a wave of just amazing atmosphere the players were really giving it everything Burnley had absolutely Collapsed. God love them. Like they just didn't know. They didn't know where they were for those for those ten minutes of the match. And it was just it. It was an amazing experience to to have it like that again. Would it have been? Would it have been the same if it wasn't an evening game? You know, under the lights at Goodison. You know that even that made it feel that little bit more special, didn't it? You know, it, it was everything just came together. And as you say, you know, Rafa's substitution I think eventually came at the right time I think everybody was perhaps expecting it to come a half time but I think waiting just as we uh, as we equalized I think that was the exact right moment to try and capitalize wasn't it and you know sort out the balance of the of the side so all in all it just it just led to probably you know the best the best 10 minutes that we've experienced the Goodison in a in a long long while and that's that's exactly why we've missed fans so much isn't it 
moments moments such as that have just been absolutely priceless and it's been a long time coming at Goodison Park so it was really enjoyable yeah Burnley in that spell were like the like the, the fighter who's been tagged in days and desperately <laughs> trying to clinch onto his opponent just just yeah. to kind of salvage some time um Gav, let's 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 talk individuals, and we've all picked our sort of moments and stuff. But let's start with um, obviously the man of the match, Andros Townsend. Look, five appearances in; it's a very it's it's early days, but his performances and his impact and his end product hugely encouraging. What have you made of Townsend's start to life at Everton, and has he exceeded your expectation, or did you think no? I th- I thought we'd get what we we've we've had off him. Yeah, caveating the fact that it's only five games into the season and all of this. Um, I want to say what I said last week. I mean, it's not just on the pitches, it's off the pitch. He spoke very well after the game, didn't he? He, he says things that, you know, fans like to hear. You know, like, even last night he was mentioning the Goodison atmosphere and going there as a player and finding it intimidating. You know, fans love all that. I mean, regardless of who's saying it, you know. Um, yeah, I... I I've been really impressed by his work ethic and quality. Surprised over his career, he's not scored more goals. To be honest with you, for somebody who's, who's got that type of stuff in his locker, to uh, make like thirty odd goals in thirty odd Premier League goals, I think he's had in his career, which yeah. started in oh nine oh ten, I think it's something like yeah. that. Yeah, you, you would you would double that really if you're thinking about it, wouldn't you? Probably uh, not 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 as many. Um, and also his quality out wide. I mean, it was noticeable that after Keane's goal, all the players had to Townsend and not Keane, didn't he? Um, which was uh, which probably reflecting on the, the quality of the, the delivery. Uh, I thought the goal was um, sublime, to be honest with you. Yeah, we said, Phil, didn't we, during the game? When, when I first saw it, because the way it ticked, I think he mentioned it as well, that, it must have come off somebody's foot. A bit like Jelovic's famous goal against Man City for it to dip over the goalkeeper like that. But he got it to, you know, he, he got he got it with pace and dip, which is quite, you know, from that distance takes some doing. Uh, but hugely impressed by him since he's come to the club. Uh, huge assets off the pitch, as we've seen. And, and a good professional. And you said last week, a club can't have enough of good professionals. Uh, to be honest with you. So, yeah, really good signing so far. And you hope we're a bit like Gray, isn't it? But Benitez, you know, as we know, keeps chiseling the way of players and having a go at them and getting them to improve. It, it, it's not, not a flash in the pan. Preno, obviously, as we've said, and as Gav says, five, game, five games in, so still early doors. But as it stands, are you, are you fully paid up member of the Townsend fan club? Yeah, um, with, with a caveat that I, I thought he was having a quiet game last night until you know the cross came in for Keane's goal. Um, you know, I wouldn't have been surprised if his number had been held up. You know, so I thought Damari Gray was great. You know, so sort of loved his performance. You know, so sort of all the way through, even in that you know sort of busy first half, he was the one man trying to make things happen. And Townsend just hadn't really done a great deal. But then underlined, you know, so sort of what he does bring to you know the party, which is the quality. I mean, uh, the cross for Michael Keane's goal was absolutely top class. 
and then you know the goal itself you know sort of wonderful and he came alive after that and you know sort of did you know sort of make things happen a lot more so i suppose consistency is that the thing isn't it we've got to try and see that from him you know sort of all the way through you know sort of to justify his place in the team week in week out I mean, the one man I want to pick out, really, I mean, I thought you were going to say, like, so who was the man that you appreciated most? And Damari Gray, I thought was great. But Michael Keane, who I'd actually said prior to the game, I wasn't going to have him in my starting lineup uh, after the mistakes earlier in the year, because I was predicting a flat back four. Somebody had to make away for Ben Godfrey, and I was suggesting him. Uh, obviously, Baffer went with the, uh, the the three at the back. And I'm glad that, uh, you know, so he, he did throw him in. I was sat with his agent last night. <laughs> And, uh, he was actually. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, did, I, did, I didn't tell him that uh, I suggested he should be dropped for that game. And then after he equalised, he just turned to me, he was like nodded, like, "Ooh, wasn't expecting that." Uh, but no, that apart, his defensive performance is very, very good. Now I know the visit of Burnley is a match that's like sort of tailor made for him, and that you know he'd want a physical battle, he'd relish it, and he, you know like taking on you know so Ward and Barnes. But he did. He did it very well. He showed a lot more composure than he showed in recent games. And his decision-making was good. So, you know, whilst the obvious choices of Takore, Gray, Townsend, maybe Alan, Alan was decent as well, we'll all get plaudits. I think Michael Keane probably flew under the radar a little bit and, uh, and was decent and gives the manager a very, very difficult decision to make again at the weekend. So, uh, mm. so yeah, full marks to Michael Keane. Um, I, I, I chucked out a tweet near the end of the game. It got quite a positive reaction. I thought, speaking just on the thread there of, of defenders, I actually thought Yeri Mina had a good game. Agree? Mm. Or have I, have I witnessed something that, that wasn't there? <laughs> no, I, no, I completely agree. I think uh, I mentioned to Chris Beasley, uh, who was at the game with us yesterday, like at some point in the second half, I just mentioned that I could watch Yeri Mina and Chris Wood have a battle all season. <laughs> Like that—that that was really, that was really an intriguing battle to me because like, one one moment it looked like Wood had the upper hand, the next moment it looked like Mina had the upper hand. It was just a, it was just two big lads having a big physical battle all game. As as I said after Leeds, Yerry Mina treats football matches like it's WWE. Trash oh. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> talk. Grappling. Hey, you, yeah. You know what? Everson have just this second tweeted literally a minute ago. Yerry Mina won more aerial duels nine than any other player in the Premier League this weekend. So there you go, Adam. I was going to bring up that exact stat. I remember seeing that yeah. at some point yesterday. Like he, yeah. he just won everything that Burnley were throwing up there. And I think that was a really important part of the game for us, wasn't it, really? The, I don't think in the first half Burnley were necessarily resorting to long balls or anything like that. But I think once we'd changed our system a little bit in the second half, we were... Like pressing them a little bit higher, we were forcing them into those longer balls forward. But you know, that, as Preno has mentioned, Michael Keane was strong in the air. I thought Godfrey was pretty, pretty strong in the air when he was on the pitch as well. And Yeni Mina had proven that even though they've got the likes of Wooden Barnes up front, they couldn't really, apart from that moment, I think inside the first like five minutes or so, where Dwight Neil put in that really good cross, they didn't really threaten all that much aerially. And that's why. Our system change really worked uh, in the in the second half because we were forcing them into those longer balls and we could just trust our centre backs were going to be able to win absolutely everything. And I think, you know, in a similar way to the Preno was saying about Michael Keane, uh, I think Yeri Mina probably does fancy those sort of really physical battles against somebody like a Chris Wood, somebody who's not going to, you know, turn him and beat him for pace and you know try and directly run at him with skill or anything like that. It's it's very much you know, going to be played 
directly in front of him. He's going to be able to battle them for strength. He's going to be able to try and win edges against them. And I Trash think, he, Mina, yeah, exactly. And I think, and I think Mina was uh, was really was really strong in that sense. I was a little bit surprised to see him on the right of the defensive three from the start of the game. I was I was maybe expecting him to be the one in the centre rather than uh, Ben Godfrey, but I think he he dealt with that really well. I thought, you know, throughout the first half, I thought Everton's defence struggled to you know bring the ball out from the back, but I thought Mina was probably the best one out of the three in doing so. So, uh, yeah, I thought it was a really, really strong performance from Mina, as Reno said as well. I thought it was a really strong performance from Michael Keane. So it would be really interesting to see what Benitez does in terms of the defensive line over the next couple of weeks. The Royal Blue podcast meandering into different angles and threads today, uh, Gavin. I'm going to stick with Mina because he probably wouldn't have been what we were expecting to talk about. Mina is inside the final two years of his contract. Now, typically, that signals the starting gun yeah. on do we do we start talking over a new deal because you know you're inside the final two years and we don't want to get to the final twelve months, or we're not interested. We're going to let things wind down and maybe look to sell you. Where's Mina at? Um, uh, yeah, I think that's. But that, that, no, yeah. I think I think that's. But yeah, you know. <laughs> do I have to say anything? Do I have to say anything now, Phil? I've, I've said, I've said it. Uh, I don't know. How old is Mina? Yeah, Go on, mate. So he, he turns 27 in nine days' time. Right. So he's still at peak, peak age to be sold, isn't he? I mean, I suppose, I suppose what Mina is, is whether you think do we need a better centre-half than what we've got collectively at the moment? And I said that at the start of the season, didn't I? So, because yeah. so, I, I still collect, I think collectively, though we've got a number of centre-halves, I still think we're lacking a really top-class centre-half. So let me um, ask you this, Gavin. I think, I'm, I think I may have mentioned it to you last night. Yeah. With all the respect to Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes, who, who are a handful for every defence, if yeah. Rafa had two centre-halves who he felt was he was so absolutely certain on, do you think he would have just started with a flat-back four last night rather than having to play three? Yeah, yeah. And as okay. I said, see, that then spoke the balance of the rest of the team. So if you follow that logically, you want to keep Godfrey, aren't you? Because he's the, he's the future and he's, he's got plenty of potential in terms of the ceiling. And I, and I think being as vulnerable... Therefore, if you wanted two top-class centre-halves, I think I, I think there's a case for saying, sell Mina. I don't know what his market value is at the moment because it, it's, it's you've got to find somebody to A, buy him and B, pay his wages. Which, of course, yeah, as yeah. As we've yeah. seen in, in previous pods throughout the season, it, it's, that's difficult to do at the moment. But in a, in a sort of, shall we say, a, a normalised transfer market, there's an argument to say that you would sell them. I'm not saying we should sell them. That, that you could see an argument saying, but selling them and using that money to reinvest in a better, better, you know, better quality centre half. Um, we mean this injury problems haven't helped. Have they? I mean, I wouldn't like to know how many how many games he started. This, this is fourth season. Is it? Mm. Us? Um, yeah, well, started every game. As he said, he's had quite a few niggling injuries over this time, hasn't he? Yeah, um, yeah. 
I, I, I would say sell them. I would say there's an argument for selling them if we use that money to buy a better centre-half. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Prenna, um, just moving on from, from Yeri, that, you know, it seems to be a running battle between Damari Gray and Andos Townsend to find out who is the bargain signing of the summer. Um, who, who's winning that race? Because both... Both stake stake to claim last night, and you know, as we spoke yeah. at, at length about town then. But you had, had already mentioned Gray, so I, I can sense that you're you're already a big fan of Damari's. Yeah, hands down, Damari Gray for me. Um, I mean, Townsend's been you know sort of important in what he's done so far. You know, the the, the goal of Huddersfield, you know, so his contributions last night. Uh, but Gray's just been consistent quality all the way through. And I know consistency sounds a bit odd and we've only played, you know, sort of four league games and, you know, one Carabao Cup tie. Uh, but he's, you know, had an influence on every game that he's played and he's done it, you know, from start to finish. He just oozes quality. And, you know, for one and a half million, that, that's just outrageous uh, value, especially given his age as well. And, you know, so how much more he could maybe, you know, sort of improve. Um, so now I think that's been an absolute masterstroke, that signing. Andros Townsend, a little bit of a surprise that maybe, you know, so Palace let him go, um, you know, so given what he's done so far, but we'd need to see a little bit more, you know, so to reinforce his credentials. But just, just Gray, he was just quality, you know, so even in that first half when it was like really tight and it was a bitty and not much was going on, he was the one player that when he got the ball, uh, you thought that, yeah, something might happen here, you know, so he's capable of getting past them, you know, so with his pace or opening things up with his, his creativity. Uh, and I just wondered as well last night whether Rafford actually changed his, um, his approach a little bit because there were a number of occasions in the first half when we had an opportunity to get the ball in from wide areas and we didn't. We tried to keep hold of it, you know, which was a little bit different to some of the earlier games. We weren't playing the ball in as directly as we had been previously. And whether that is because Richarlison was in the middle rather than Dominic Calvert-Lewin and he'd asked them to do that, I don't know. Uh, obviously, it changed a little bit in the second half with Townsend's cross. Uh, but Gray proved that, you know, he, he can play different, you know, sort of elements to his game. You know, he can put the ball in from wide areas, but equally, he can thread passes through and he can go past players as well. So, no, big fan already. Uh, Tamara Gray, for me, you know, sort of wins that battle. Um, Pran, I'll just stick with you because I know you're a bit pressed for time. But you know, as I was, as I was saying to somebody this morning, I think what, what what probably needs reinforcing, and I know it won't be lost on 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 any Everton fan, but other than Gray and Townsend, Rafa is still working with the same squad more or less. I know he's brought Rondon on, on and into the squad mm-hmm. and stuff, but it's basically the same squad. But they're playing so far with a different kind of attitude, and I don't mean. Well, I guess there were some games when the attitude last season was questioned, but do you know what I mean? There's just a different approach from the same group of players. And look, it's a small sample size again, and it's early days, but he just seems to be getting a different tune out of the same group. He does. I mean, it was that stat from our friend Bradley, uh, Emerson Stato, who put out this morning that um, back-to-back home games now, we've come from a goal behind uh, to win a match. And we hadn't done that, which is the same number of times that we've done that in the previous three years. 
so in the space of a month, you know, so the squad is already showing a little bit of character and a little bit of, you know, sort of resilience, which it patently didn't have, you know, so in the, uh, the two or three seasons prior to that. So, yeah, he's getting that out of the squad. And I think, you know, what has been totally overlooked is the fact that, you know, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who's scored in every Premier League game so far, was missing last night. We clearly lacked a centre-forward. I was surprised that Rondon didn't come in any earlier because earlier, Richarlison was struggling, to be fair. You know, he's, he's clearly not a centre-forward. Um, I know he's decent in the air and he has got reasonable physicality, but against the back four or, you know, like that, he, he struggled. Um, but we found a way of overcoming the loss of Dominic Calvert-Lewin, which is important given that he's not going to be back for a good few weeks yet. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's significant that he found other ways of doing it. So, you know, it's always the same when a new manager comes in. You always try and look for positives. And, you know, there's always like a little bit of an upsurge of optimism. You know, you find things that, you know, the new manager's doing that the previous manager wasn't. And the old hoary old chestnut, they look fitter, uh, always gets tossed in. But they do, to be perfectly honest. And you just like listen to the reaction for the players themselves. And even though this like sort of tough love, you know, sort of raffer approach is advertised quite frequently, Jamie Carragher was talking about it on television last night, you know, so saying you haven't changed, have you? You know, you still give an Andros Townsend stick at the end of the game for not running it into a particular position. Uh, but the players still buy in to what he's saying because they appreciate that, you know, sort of those methods are helping to make a, a more successful football team. So, you know, early signs are very, very promising. The manager has made, you know, sort of a really, really significant impact with argue the same squad of players I've spent again, I think, yes. So, you know, so when the time comes that you can spend, you know, sort of decent money and bring in, you know, sort of better quality players of his own, hopefully we'll see, you know, sort of significant improvements again. So, yeah, so far, so very, very good. Yes, and we will will see whether Mr McNeil is on that list. And, of course, uh, Rafa did uh, succeed in keeping him fairly quiet, but uh, that cross that uh, we mentioned earlier was was a beauty in the first five minutes, and it was described by Gary Neville on TV as absolutely unbelievable. So uh, that's, that's probably not, not helped the uh, the transfer fee. Gav, go on. You want to say something? No, I was going to say, uh, Mina since he started, I think he since he came to come two thousand eighteen, sixty Premier League starts in just over mm. three seasons. Michael Keane has played one season more and has made one hundred and twenty seven. Who's doubled oh. Mina's starts and you know, haven't just played one season more. So with Mina, the, the argument then therefore is is that the type of career trajectory you've got of a player that you, you wanna keep hold of and enhance the contact compared to the much maligned Michael Keane, mm. uh, to be fair. Yeah, indeed. Um add Obviously, Preno mentioned there the players look fitter. Well, there were some injury concerns last night. Thankfully, and hopefully, as we record this, there's no uh, there's no after effect of, of what turned into quite a bruising game in the end. Um, Tarkovsky somehow escaped any sort of censure. Censure, sorry. Um, I mean, just give me your thoughts on on Burnley's tactics and, if you like, and, and their approach. That was uh, pretty strong, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, when you when you're looking at it post match, I think you can look back and say, well, we kind of expected the way Burnley were going to set up, didn't we? You know, we, that's that is the way Burnley are. They're a very dogged and determined team. They're not scared to leave one in on you, as it were. I don't think then I don't think they're necessarily a naturally dirty team or anything like that. They're just they're just physical. They're aggressive, and that's that's how they, especially when they're away from home in a in a raucous stadium like that, that's how they 
they, they silenced the home fans, isn't it? And up until a point, it was absolutely working for them. They, they'd nicked the goal. They'd done everything that they needed to do. I think, to be honest, up until that point, they'd probably dominated the game as well, arguably. Yeah. And I think you know, Sean Dyche was probably quite right to be quite happy with his team's performance in that sense up until that point. And then obviously, you know, it got it got away from them in the end, thankfully. But uh, yeah, so I do think some of those tackles did just cross the line a little bit. And we've talked a lot. Well, I think the, the whole Premier League discourse this season has been centred around how the referees are dealing with the games this season. And by and large, everybody's been saying it, it's been loads better to see referees letting the game flow a little bit more, you know, let some some tackles wayside to just keep keep the momentum of the game going. And in a lot of cases, that has been promising to see because I think we were seeing it go a little bit too far the other way in recent seasons, weren't we? Just, you know, the slightest things were getting pulled up, which, you know, you, you just didn't want to see. But I think we, we came too far the other way last night. I think Martin Atkinson just... He lost. There was a real danger that he was going to lose control of that game at one point. I mean, the first the first minute seeing uh, Brownhill's tackle on Richarlison. What was the difference in that tackle between you know that one and the one that saw Harvey Elliott get injured the day before? I think it was a very similar sort of tackle to me. And if you know if Richarlison's foot had similarly got stuck under uh, Brownhill's body, then he could have been in real trouble. So that that was a really really horrible tackle. I really don't know how we didn't get a booking for that, which you know eventually would have led to him getting sent off. Of course, when he uh, when he did eventually get booked, that Tarkovsky one, he's he's definitely gone in on Richarlison and thought to himself, right, I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna. He was probably going for the ball, of course, but he was like, right, I, I'm gonna take Richarlison as well as the ball here. But it's it's it, just a dangerous way of thinking, isn't it? And he went in with such force right on the touchline there. He only got the ball because Richarlison knocked it against them. The fact that the fact that, that wasn't even I don't think that was even given as a foul, was it? <laughs> the fact that, that wasn't even given as a foul, let alone a book. And yeah. you know, it, 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 it under a different referee, you know, in, in the last couple of seasons, that probably would have been a red card with the amount of force that he's flown into that tackle. And Richarlison really could have got badly hurt from that and I, th- I think there were a few challenges throughout the game where you're just looking at them thinking if the referee's letting these go somebody's going to get hurt at some point and I think fa- thankfully for Martin Atkinson nobody really did get seriously injured and you've got you've got to hope that there are no repercussions uh, of this fixture over the next coming days I suppose we'll we'll find out when when the players return to training but it doesn't look like that's going to be the case, thankfully. And you know, I, I don't think that's any any sort of work of the officials. I think the officials really did let that one get away from them, and it's, and it's a shame to be honest, because it, it it does put a little bit of a downer on 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 a on the game because you, you just don't want to see a referee in displays such as that. To be honest, I think it, I think it was really really poor by uh, Atkinson and his, and his assistants. He's, he's a wretched referee, full stuff. We know that. He got booed before the game started. 
And uh, that obviously looks like sour grapes because we know what he did in the derby match when he sent off Jack Rodwell, later rescinded. We know what he did in that Manchester City semi-final. He's just a poor referee. Uh, but I was delighted that um, you know Sky really took him to task over that, uh, that incident with Tarkovsky. Uh, Gary Neville especially was very, very vocal about um, why that should have been at the very minimum a yellow card. And Adam's absolutely spot on. He didn't even give a free kick. You know, so it, it was a throw in. You know, he did clearly intend to take the ball and take the player as well. And, you know, so just leave a little bit of a calling card uh, on him. And the game's changed. You can't do that anymore. You know, so Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher both said that, yes, we used to do that regularly. And then Gary Neville said, I'd do it about, you know, 100 times a season. Uh, he says, and get away with it or sometimes get a yellow card. He goes, but you can't anymore because we've, you know, football has evolved to a point whereby, you know, we are trying to protect skillful players now, but, you know, save them, you know, sustaining injury uh, from challenges like that. And uh, clearly Martin Atkinson hasn't evolved with the, uh, the latest real changes because that, that was just a very, very poor decision of those. It's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because we don't want to eliminate the firm but fair challenges that, do get the man, but the ball first. And, you know, I mean, look, Ben Godfrey is, is a great example of somebody who can do it right. And, you know, he, 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 yeah. he throws him, but Tarkovsky just went too far, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, let's face it. There's a couple of meaty challenges from Everton players last night. Well, so, well I, mean, I think Tarkovsky was going in on a bit of yeah. retribution for what Richarlison yeah. had done to me, I guess, wasn't he? Me, me yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you say you say about the ball going, it was tackled, but I was I was having recourse to, to the law laws of the game and it's uh, can't remember the exact words, but it says if lunging and challenging for the ball you're in danger seriously endangered an opponent, then you're guilty of serious foul play and that I thought um he was there. I mean that, that could have been very, very you know, nasty repercussions, as indeed the the Brownell challenge. Just wonder whether do you think Richarlison's a bit of a target for opposition players? Uh, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I you know, Richarlison, you know, very physical in, in when he, you know, in, and puts himself yeah. into challenges, and he's full, full-blooded and committed. And you know, he, Tarkovsky and me won't be the, you know, aren't the first, and they won't be the last set of defenders that he rubs up yeah. the wrong way because that's Richarlison, isn't it? Yeah, it's just just one, you know, with his previous reputation, shall we say? Um, but I, I thought. Uh, Thought the Tarkovsky one was. I just thought that that was a red, wasn't it? Really, and for it not to be as I'd said, it wasn't even wasn't even given given as a foul, you know, um, or indeed or indeed yellow. Thought that that was a red. Um, if they given a the yellow, you would have said mm, okay, but not for not for nothing. Yeah, Chris, but that's Atkinson to me is one of the. I'm not saying this because I was of any bias. I think he's one of the. One of the officials when you see him when he's down on the on the on the team sheets is not so sure. Um but we shouldn't let that cloud it. What was it in the end a uh totally enjoyable evening. I, I would imagine every Evertonian who went the game last night watched six minutes of television when they got in, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was it. If, if same Maybe extend it to the eight or ten when it could have been four or five. It was just yeah, yeah, on a, yeah exactly a wave of euphoria. But yeah, no, absolutely, you're absolutely yeah. right, Gav. No, hopefully the uh, there are no repercussions from from some yeah. uh, meaty challenges, should we say? And 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 the focus is on a positive week ahead uh, ahead of uh, trip to Villa on Saturday, and we will be back, of course, on Friday 
Um, we're expecting Rafa Benitez press conference probably on Friday, uh, as seems to be usual for the new manager. And of course, we will pod uh, after that and preview the trip to Villa Park 5.30 on Saturday and, and a good test of, of where the Blues are. So, um, yeah, long may the unbeaten run continue. Chaps, thank you very much for your company and thank you very much for listening. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.